Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We are joined right now by the great Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. He covers the WWE, AEW, just wrestling in general when it comes to financials and markets and things of that nature, better than anyone out there. Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics, how you doing, man? I'm good. And an expert in things of that nature is yeah. absolutely accurate. <laughs> Need to add sure. that to the bio. <laughs> right. Expert in things of that nature. <laughs> Brennan, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, just quick, you know, general thoughts on when WWE released their their financials on Wednesday. What were your first impressions of all the numbers? Well, they're they continue to be profitable. They were a little bit more profitable than I thought they would be. A large part of that is because they're licensing out their merchandise through Fanatics. Um, but the, the big takeaways are this is a company that's doing in terms of fan interest, consumer interest very well, which is not something that you could often say over the last seven years or so. Um, TV ratings are up in an environment where TV ratings for most TV shows are down. Um, and not just that, but but TV uh, attendance is up too. Um, some of the comparisons for years prior are with more house shows and they are running fewer house shows. So their att- average attendance is helped by more of that portion of, of events that they're running being TV events. Um, but it's a, it's a company that's doing well with, with fan interest. And I thought there was an, an interesting exchange on the earnings call between, uh, an analyst and, and Paul Levesque, where the analyst was asking him to please explain what, what, what's been happening uh, differently. You know, what's different about the product that you're doing. And, uh, he just sort of had to praise everyone and the world-class talent, the world-class writing team and Kevin Dunn's team is great. And, uh, he did m- mention the Sami Zayn and bloodline storyline, which I think is something that's, that's been a major part of it. Um, Long-term storytelling was was mentioned. This is a new discovery, I think, for wrestling companies in general. Long-term storytelling uh, hasn't been something that has been often seen in wrestling, and now we're we're finally uh, discovering this thing that's actually helping business. Do you think WWE actually has long-term storytelling outside of the the bloodline? I think I suspect that they that Paul of. Has plans that he would like to execute, and I think it's more in question now whether those long-term intentions will be executed. With Vince apparently making changes, when it, I'll go ahead. Ask. I wanted to ask, uh, you know, what have what do you thought about like the big difference in the live event attendance? Because that was something that I remember, like pre-pandemic, it was kind of an issue with them where they were losing money on the live uh-huh. events, and now it's become such a money getter where we keep hearing about all these sellouts for house shows. What do you thought has been like the the biggest difference in that regard? They're running fewer house shows, so that helps. Um, but they're the average ticket price is way up. I think something like $75 for Q1. Um, we're running fewer house shows that are probably losing money um, helps and selling more tickets helps. So uh, I, th- I think that's a large part of what's happening. In Q1, which, it, which is the period from January 1st to March 31st, that includes the Royal Rumble, which was an over $7 million gate. 
So I'm sure that was a very profitable event for their live events division. So that goes into the math. That could be offsetting some events that are losing money. I don't know. Um, but they're doing pretty well. And, you know, in the in the pre-COVID era, they were running more shows, particularly in smaller markets where the attendances tend to be low. And we don't get all that bro broken out. I know people think that in an, because it's a publicly traded company, we get every detail of information out. We get very select stats that obscure the details so but those smaller market house shows i would think with lower attendances were just not as profitable and they're running fewer of them since the return to touring and uh ticket prices are up a bit and um attendance is up so so for clarity because sp3 and i had this question before you came on they tout like the wrestlemania success in the press release but the wrestlemania numbers do those fully count on on this uh on this quarter so i brandon has muted his mic and he's gone away as people can see he did warn me that something might come up during this and of course it had to happen during <laughs> when this all came up so tremendous tremendous timing brandon will be joining us uh he'll come back here in a second and we'll we'll get a response to that i'll re-ask the question but it is funny he's like it could happen literally between these hours uh that that you want me on he's like we'll just go early and hope that it happens later and of course within three minutes of the interview it happens <laughs> then. so as as things go on, on this show um you know, yeah i i did want clarity on the the wrestlemania you know, thing because we both had yeah. that question brandon said it ran to march 31st i suspect it will be kind of what you said sp3 is like they'd already sold those tickets and everything sorry okay. that's okay um so, <laughs> was gonna happen i know i mentioned that i mentioned that uh when you were away um so what i was saying is you mentioned so it runs from january 1st to march 31st they touted the wrestlemania success in the the press release and everything but did those numbers not count first quarter or is it because they've already sold tickets they do count how is wrestlemania attributed when it comes to the first quarter part of this so wrestlemania is in q2 it's, that was april 1st and 2nd but um the event has happened and a lot of what these earnings calls are about is hype. And it's, it's, they want to tell that, that story. And that, and that was a big business success as it always is. WrestleMania always is. So they're not going to wait to hype the success of WrestleMania until three months later when they can report in their financials. Um, so that, that's really all it is. But, but yeah, and they, they told you, um, I think they, they mentioned the gate, which was $21.6 million. They mentioned... The viewership being up by a certain percentage, I think more than 50% versus last year. We don't really know how many viewers that means. There was a slide that I discovered uh, as part of a presentation to Orange County in Orlando um, that does have some numbers that seem to be, I would guess, U.S., over a million over the age of 18, because these are like advertised, advertiser-directed numbers. But um, that that would be, I guess, in the, in the range of like 1.5 million people or something like that. We, we know um, Royal Rumble had about 2 million, so... I'm sure WrestleMania was way ahead of, of Royal Rumble, but point is we, we get vague numbers uh, about how many people are actually watching these events on Peacock, but people are watching them more, mainly, I would think, because more people have Peacock in their homes this year versus last year. I was going to ask about Peacock and how that helps in terms of WWE visibility, because if you just see it on Peacock, does that draw people into the live events? I don't know if there's a way to attribute of how many 
basically peacock people are watching and then they're turned into regular viewers or they're turned into just live event people but how much do you think like the peacock deal has helped WWE in terms of drawing in sort of new fans whether it's to tune into raw smackdown or just attend a local live event i think it's helped a lot i think i wasn't sure what the w network did for them in 2014 when it launched but we did see a, a lot of different metrics including attendance um including web search which i think is all often correlated to actual consumer behavior um we, we saw when, when the network launched whatever reason you can think of for why having the network out there uh led to a lot of downstream fan interest maybe because people were reliving you know the library or people were a huge audience was able to watch the pay-per-views without the 60 dollars paywall in the way it was just a 10 dollars paywall so i think all those things being factors that led to increased ticket sales, increased merchandise sales from roughly 2014 to 2016. Um, and that, it wasn't clear to me that, you know, maybe the W network was, it was attributable to that until Peacock happened. And now we're seeing what was a declining popularity in, in WWE's TV shows. Um, and then their other consumer metrics that, that really leveled off around the time that WWE pay-per-views went on Peacock. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And that increased the audience of those pay-per-views even more than the network did. Of course, we know this, the typical pay-per-view pre-network was doing like 300,000 buys or something like that worldwide. And that was increased to as high as 2 million during the direct-to-consumer standalone network era. And now we've got Peacock, and not everybody who has Peacock is watching WWE, obviously. Uh, but there's 20 million, something like 22 million, I, I think now, according to Comcast, to subscribers to Peacock who have access to it in their homes. And I'm sure it's a, a relative minority that are watching WPLEs on Peacock, but it's it's a far greater access than people who subscribe to the network have, which again topped out at two million globally, and I think like one point two million uh US. Vince McMahon wasn't on the the conference call. I don't know. They they used to say like this person's gonna be on it, this person's gonna be on it, and they kind of stopped doing that. Do you think, one, were you surprised? And two, like, do you think maybe he, given all that's happening, should have been there? Or was it smart to just, no, let's not have Vince there. Let's have um, Nick and Paul handle these questions. Have, have you listened to the earnings calls when Vince has been on in the past? Yeah, it's it's tremendous. I got to listen to all of them. How much does he say? He doesn't say much. And when he does, he either misspeaks or it gives me a great headline to write. I'll say that, especially when he's like, we're going to give AEW our talent. This is part of our plan. Um, right. Yeah, he, he doesn't say much when, when he is on there. But I imagine the, the uh, stockholders and investors have some questions for him. I mean, I, I, I think Vince hates doing them. That that was my impression. I think any anything where he has to speak publicly is not something he's been interested in doing apparently in the last 15 years or so he's done very few sit-down interviews that, that pat mack the interview being an exception um but yeah he's uh he's back as the executive chairman but the investor community looks at nick khan as as the person who they want to hear from especially 
And I think it's just a, it's the sense that, you know, Vince was the person who founded this company and he, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's forced his way back into the company. We're not going to ask too many questions about why or you know, whether that's okay or how comfortable the employees and the talent are with, with him forcing his way back into the company. Certainly not the analysts are going to ask that question, but, um, should they hear from him? I, I don't know that Vince has a lot to say about strategy and about media strategy over and above what Nick has to say, which is a lot more. Um, so I think there's a lot of questions that Vince McMahon should be asked. Um, him appearing on an, on an earnings call, he's not going to be asked those questions, I, I don't expect. And uh, in terms of business, Nick is the one you want to hear from. And Frank Riddick, who's the CFO, is the one you want to hear all the dry and boring financial numbers from. And, and Paul Levesque has been participating in these, which is a relatively new occurrence. Uh, Paul Levesque, the head of creative, sort of, mostly, uh, is, is also appearing on these. I wanted to ask, how is the Endeavor sale going to kind of affect, like, future our earnings call? Because I know, like, the deal isn't done till later this year. How is that going to affect what WWE makes? Is it, do you kind of project that it's going to increase their their finance? Or how is, I don't know how that kind of correlates with the earnings call. So the WWE, for, for fans of the WWE earnings reports, for the, the many visitors out there of corporate.wwe.com who click on the investor overview like I do and, and look through the KPIs and the trending schedules and the 10Ks and the 10Qs, um, it's going to be very different once the merger is complete. This will not be a WWE stock anymore. This will be a TKO stock. And they haven't announced what that merged UFC and WWE company name is going to be, but it's going to be called something else. We're going to be talking about some other company name that we don't even know yet. Um, Maybe it'll be an acronym for TKO. I don't know. Um, so all of the, the relatively limited clarity that we get into W's business now is about to become much more obscure. Um, I don't expect that TKO is going to say, okay, here's what WWE did for, for live event attendance. Here's what WWE did for, for media. And here's the UFC numbers. They, I, I don't think that the, F, the SEC is going to, I don't think there's any SEC rules that are going to force them to do that. All that stuff's going to be thrown in one bucket, and that's that's that's. You, I'll have to guess, and I'll have to you know make some estimates or something. Um, so it's going to change a lot from my perspective reporting on this. I think it's just going to be a lot harder to figure out what's what's the WE part and what's the UFC part. Um, and in terms of their finances, I mean, one of the major reasons that they're doing this is because UFC and WWE working as one company should should allow for a lot of cost savings. And the biggest part of that is going to be layoffs. I think there's going to be pretty massive layoffs, unfortunately, to W employees uh, upon this merger being completed. And that's where they project they're going to save 50 to $100 million um, in, in annual savings once they mostly lay people off. I'm sure there's some other uh, overlapping expenses that they won't have to uh, pay for alone anymore. Um, but it's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, workers being laid off, mostly corporate. I don't expect. Um, I know the 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 uh, wrestling fans are probably dreading and and uh, you know being being alarmed about the notion of talent layoffs because those are the people that they know. Um, but I don't see any reason. I mean, I, I know there's reports of a of a hiring freeze or something that's maybe like a, a an informal hiring freeze, and that may, may be the case in terms of keeping spending really conservative as you head into this merger. Um, but in terms of layoffs, it's I don't expect necessarily any talent layoffs because it's, it's not like a merger. It's not like you're going to share that much talent between WWE and UFC. 
Nick Khan said, I believe it was a uh, light shed. He did the big, big interview yes. with them where, you know, they call it cost synergies. And he's basically their, their nice term for, we're just going to lay off a bunch of people. And he said like, they didn't want to mess with the talent production side because they were happy w- with all of that. And like you said, does, does that mean talent's not going to get cut, but they're not hiring anybody new? We, we shall see, you know, we've got contract situations where Drew McIntyre is in or out, Right now, Becky Lynch's contract is up next year. Do you think some of these talents are just going to wait until this merger goes through? And it's like, okay, let's see how it plays out. Do you think the WWE is waiting until all of that goes through? Like, let's see how much we can pay you when it comes to this. Because Drew and Becky, two big stars who carried them through some some tough times. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a strong sense. I don't, I don't see why they would let valuable talent go. Um, on, on, on one hand, you don't need a lot of uh, marquee talent, it seems to make this company work because so much of the, of the money is guaranteed. Um, will WWE be okay without Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre? Yeah. Um, there'll be a loss. They will be, be okay without Becky Lynch. Yeah, but it'll be a loss. And then the question is, where do they go? What, you know, do they wrestle somewhere else? Do they wrestle for AEW? But um, I think if you're talent, WWE's probably going to get an upgrade in TV rights fees. It's not, it's certainly not anywhere near done at the moment, but that that's really the biggest event in wrestling. It's not WrestleMania, but it's, but it's happening right now. Nobody can see it except for the executives who are involved um, in terms of the future of the business financially. Um, it's WWE talking to NBC Universal and Fox right now about Raw and SmackDown, and those windows are have probably just ended, and they're talking to whoever else they may be talking to, Amazon, maybe SmackDown going back to NBCU. Um, so they're probably going to get a decent upgrade in TV rights fees, which is an enormous part of the revenue. Um, and it'll, it'll be contracts like the current contracts where they make a little bit more over time each year, they get maybe something like a five or a 10% increase. So my point is if you're talent, you're the one who are helping them make these tremendous TV rights fees. Yeah. The executives are, are helping make it happen too. And the employees are all part of it too. But, um, you know what they're buying? They're buying a wrestling product with a ring in it with talent in that ring and the talent are the ones who without all the talent, you don't have a show. So if you're a major talent, I mean, I, th- I think there's an argument that you should be paid <laughs> commensurate with the, these increases in uh, TV rights fees. So WWE can certainly afford it. And I, I don't see why you would stop investing in talent just because there's a merger happening and uh, it's, it's, this merger is only going to be financially beneficial to you. So, you know, there's a, uh, there's there's an argument because of the, um, the increase in TV rights fees that you're likely to get, and uh, you know, having other players in wrestling who want talent, including AEW, New Japan, and maybe others uh, that are that are really the the thing that's going to cause urgency when it comes to talent competition, because you know those are the the other players that are really going to leverage WWE to make a better deal with the talent than they would otherwise. I wanted to ask about the whole because uh, you know a few months back we heard kind of like the rumors about Fox with the TV rights and you know uh, there was kind of like uh, various kind of rumors or reports that maybe like Fox thought that they overpaid originally for WWE uh, SmackDown, but with the ratings being up, like you said, so significantly, do you think that that kind of mindset or rumors are changing now? I mean. Fox is still winning Friday most most nights 
there's not something like the NBA playoffs happening. Fox is winning in the demo uh, with SmackDown on Friday nights. Um, did, did Smack did Fox have the the idea in their heads going into this deal in 2019 that that SmackDown would be doing better ratings than it ended up doing? Maybe, um, but but they're doing quite well. Not in total viewership necessarily, but that's that's not what is as important, I believe, to Fox because Fox is a broadcast network as opposed to a cable network. Fox doesn't get as much of its revenue from cable subscribers. They do get some still because most people are still watching Fox through their cable or satellite system. But more of their revenue, a great proportion of their revenue comes from ad sales. So that's why I think P1849 is especially important. So in P1849, they're, they're, they're beating Shark Tank, which is the other big show on Friday nights on ABC. Um, and no, don't worry, Blue Bloods is still winning in the total <laughs> audience uh, in P2+. Plus. So if you're watching Blue Bloods, I think my uncle works on the set in Blue Bloods or something. Anyway, I, I was an extra on Blue Bloods. Were you? Oh, I wow. was. I was. It, it must be you that's drawing the ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so yeah, they're doing really well in the demo, and uh, and and they're up year over year in a way that is W popularity, W fan interest is up in a, in a genuine way that is totally different than at any time since I've been covering this in the last seven or eight years or something like that. So. Um, the question is, does Fox want to, how does Fox want to, you know, execute their, their strategy on, on Friday nights? Do they want to put something else in there? Well, if they want to put something else on Friday nights from 8 to 10, it's going to cost them. It, it might cost them more than what SmackDown is costing them. And will it deliver the, a similar rating and be as cost effective as SmackDown is? That's the big question. And and the other question is, well, what's WWE going, going to, to get in the alternative if they don't stay with Fox? Um Fox is really valuable for, for, for WWE because they get to be on a broadcast network with enormous reach. As much as streaming is taking over people's uh, TV watching behavior, um, it's a huge penetration in, in, into people's homes, um, which is greater than any streaming uh, service. Netflix is basically at the top with like something like 60 million, 65 million homes, um, but, but cable cable channels are still in 70 some odd million homes and Fox is in something above that because we can stack on top people using uh, OTA antennas. So being on being, having that reach, being able to reach that many people is, is a non-monetary value to WWE. So in the alternative, say they go to Amazon prime, um, Amazon prime cannot offer them the same kind of reach. Now, yes, Amazon prime is, is in like 80 million homes, but do people use Amazon Prime as often as, as they rely on the, the Prime shipping discount or something like that? That that's that's the difference. So Amazon, if they got SmackDown, would have to pay a lot more than whatever Fox might offer them in terms of money, because Fox is giving you not only money, but it's giving you a tremendous reach in the value of being able to get into people's homes and to get into a space, a channel where people are, are flipping past and people will easily discover you and easily there's very little friction in, oh, Fox is on watching SmackDown as opposed to like, I got to pick up the, the remote and, and, and go into the, the app or whatever and, and find Amazon Prime as people may have done when they watched uh, Thursday Night Football. What's your temperature on where WWE does land when it comes to the media rights? I mean, you mentioned a couple of streaming services. Seems like they got a good relationship with, with Fox and NBCU with the, uh, Raw being on USA. There was the report that Warner Brothers Discovery might be interested, but then that was kind of quickly shot down when we learned that, hey, Warner Brothers Discovery is about to add some more AEW programming. Why are they going to go after WWE? Like, what's your temperature on what WWE might be thinking and what other networks and platforms might be thinking? 
Yeah, I don't buy that WBD is going to be a, a real player here. And I think Sean's report just after that was floated by James Andrews or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Who's on a, on a Jimmy Trana podcast. But 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 Sean, you know, reporting and inciting sources within WWE who are telling him that's not really happening. I mean, th- those are, if, you know, people in WWE would be incentivized to say, oh, yeah, everybody's interested in us. So that tells me there's, that there's at least no smoke to that fire yet. Um I think there's reason for Fox to keep it. There's reason for NBC to, to want SmackDown back. Um, what, what, what is USA Network play on Tuesday nights? Probably Law and Order reruns. So there's space for it. Um, but I think it would, it would, that would raise the question: Why did why didn't NBCU buy it then? And maybe that's where where Vince Vince may have come into play. Um, yeah, I think I think they're in a good position to probably get a somewhere between fifty percent. 75%, maybe 80% increase in their TV rights fees, which is, which would be an increase above the $470 million that they're getting now. So I think they're going to do fairly well. Uh, Ryan Sullivan asked question, says, as part of the, as part of the merger contract, is there any stipulation where major expenditures like talent acquisition has to be run by Endeavor people? Sorry, could you run that by me again? I had to yell at somebody. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Sullivan says, as part of the merger contract, is there any stipulation where major expenditures like talent acquisition has to be run by Endeavor people? So I guess what he's asking is, since the merger has we pretty much been agreed to. before we hire talent. Yes, that's okay. <laughs> I don't get that. They, they, they have said everything to the opposite of that, that don't worry, Endeavor's not going to, just like UFC, Endeavor's not going to interfere with our business. They're going to trust us to do what we do. And I believe that's incredible. Um, look at UFC. Does does Ari Emanuel interfere with and Endeavor people interfere with UFC? I'm I'm not a UFC expert. I'm not, I'm not a UFC reporter, um, but I don't. I'm not aware of that. I don't think that's happening. And I wouldn't be surprised if if maybe Vince and Dana or some people from WWE and Dana may have had some conversations ahead of this agreement to get some reassurance that do they really give you the freedom that you want? And they're they're clearly comfortable enough to do the agreement. Does the the writer's strike, uh, A-Shot kind of mentioned this. I know the writer's strike has no, and Nikon said as much on the, the media call, the writer's strike has no effect on WWE because no. it's it's not w- part w- of all w- that. WWE doesn't do unions, brother. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but is, does the writer's strike help WWE in a sense that there's no writers for these television shows and right now, so here's some live sports that you can negotiate and get. Like, Does that help WWE? We're 52 weeks strike? a year. Our, yeah. our writers aren't part of a union. Our talent aren't part of a union. Our employees aren't part of a union. There could be an apocalypse and we're still going to produce TV as they <laughs> proved for, for a year and a half during COVID. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that, that is that is something that a, a WB executive such as Nick Khan might bring to the table. Like, look, you know, that's and, and that's one of the big differences be, between WB and any sport or really any scripted series. You know, sports, you know, the, the NBA will run from what, October through June? Uh, the NFL will run from September to January. WWE runs January to December, 52 weeks a year. They, they, they might do a best of show during Christmas, but that's, that's the most of it. Um, and there's, there's no stopping WWE content from being produced apparently. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a big argument in their favor. I wanted to ask, cause you, we've been hearing uh, more stuff about AEW like this week. I know uh, Andrew Zarian reported that dark and dark elevation are no longer going to be shows. And in that report that he put out, he said that WBD wanted exclusive kind of ownership over AEW content. 
how is that going to affect their their new TV rights deal? And what type of increase do you suspect they're going to get? I don't know. It's really hard to make a prediction about what what AEW will will get in a, in a new deal. Um, I think on May seventeenth, which is a couple Wednesdays from now, w, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery will do their upfront which is this big presentation that they give to advertisers saying, look at all our amazing content that we have coming out this fall. Uh, don't you want to buy advertising for it? Uh, and, and all the, the big media conglomerates do this. And I think on that day, this is just my prediction, on that day we'll find out that AW Collision is coming to Saturday nights on probably TNT, I would guess. And AW All In in London will be live on Max, which is their rebranded HBO Max. Um, I mean, that's what I expect. And I think it, it, it raises the question at that point. This is this is now, if that's the case, if there's an, an AEW collision show every week on Saturday, then then the AEW is providing two hours of Dynamite, an hour of Rampage, and a, an additional hour, God, I hope it's only one hour, of, of weekly content for WBD. So that's above their original agreement from January 2020, which was for three hours. Now we're on to four hours. So... That's got to mean more money for AEW. And is, is that uh, indicative of an extension of their current deal? That's a question for Tony Khan in media interactions, um, if that happens. So in, in terms of an increase, I don't know. And, and will, you know, AEW is obviously not a publicly traded company. So it'll be, I mean, even in WWE's case, we don't get their own disclosures about how much of an increase did they get? Usually we get reports from journalists, like from the Sports Business Journal or from Wall Street Journal who will say, oh, they got a such and such increase. Um, and, and Tony has, in fact, tweeted how much they're getting from WBD. So I don't know if he'll do similar in the future, but um, AW is way under monetized for the number of viewers that they deliver uh, relative to other sports properties, including WWE, in terms of like the number of viewers to not get into the math, the number of viewers that they're delivering, let's say, whether whether we're talking about the demo or PG Plus, whatever, the number of viewers that they're delivering is, in, in terms of the money that they're getting in exchange for that, is way under what WWE gets, the NHL gets, and, and so on. So, and it's not just a, well, it's wrestling, and this is hockey, and this is the NBA, but it's but it's wrestling too. And maybe, maybe part of WWE getting a better deal for the number of viewers that they deliver is part of WWE being this very recognizable, very established brand. So maybe there's, there's some argument there. Even that said, AEW is way under monetized for the number of viewers that they deliver. Ultimately, what's going to determine whether or not AEW can leverage a much better deal for themselves or only a little bit of a better deal for themselves will be, are there other bidders in the universe who want us? Because it's like selling your house or selling your car. If you've got multiple bidders who want your house, you can, you can take the, the best offer. If you only got one bidder, but you might have to settle for something less than what you wanted. So that's sort of where they are. Brandon, last question, then we'll, then we'll get you out of here. Is there a future that at the end of the year, with the merger and everything, Vince McMahon is not part of the company going into 2024? No. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, <laughs> so th things will change in terms of his control. Um, he will go from having 80% of the control. So right now, having the control, that's why he was able to come back. If he didn't have the voting power, he would have not been able to force his way back into the company this past January. 
That was the only reason he was able to do that. Um, after this merger, his special shares that give him enhanced voting power are going away and he'll have 18% of the voting power. So when, when the board, when the investors come together to make some decision or to approve of the board of directors doing such and such, he'll have 18% of the votes, no more 80% of the votes. So, I mean, if, if more scandal emerges, could in, you know, Endeavor and TKO do something to force him out? I, I don't know. I think that then we're getting into maybe complicated corporate law and, and SEC bylaws that are over my head, but I don't see any reason to expect that they will. And Ari Emanuel sat next to him on CNBC and said, oh, my God, we need him. So I don't see any reason why this, this man is going away anytime soon, as long as he's healthy. Brandon, thank you for joining us. Let everybody know where they can find you at. You can find me uh, on WrestleNomics.com uh, and on Twitter. You can get, get into the replies and say nasty things to each other uh, on Twitter uh, at Brandon. When you post the ratings, your your mentions on the WrestleNomics are just completely <laughs> hellfire. I oh, I, I check it because I like to just humor myself. But yeah, just complete hellfire. It should come with a mental health uh, warning before you, <laughs> before you can scroll any further. Um, Patreon, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Uh, where I report the TV ratings uh, every just about every day. Anytime there's a wrestling TV rating, I'm writing a report about it in, in tremendous depth. And there'll be a merchandise report this afternoon, probably, looking at this is sort of a new thing I'm doing. I'm looking at the uh, the merchandise shops online to try to get an idea of who are the talents and what are the items that are selling really well according to their top sellers lists. So that'll be coming out this afternoon, Friday. And um, WrestleMonics Radio is a podcast. That, that you should listen to uh, every Sunday. We, we do it live on YouTube at 11 o'clock, and then it's on your podcast app, wherever you listen to podcasts after that. There you go. Everybody, follow, support Brandon, all the work he does at WrestleNomics. He covers things of that nature when it comes <laughs> to wrestling, expert in things of that nature. Brandon, thank you again for joining us today. We really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for dealing with me. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.